Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the No More Leadership Podcast. I am your host for this episode, Jeff Geyer. I'm with Phoenix Coaching, where we rise from the ashes. How about that? Okay. Hey, let's... Let's let's introduce our lovely panel today. You all know them, but let's say hi to them. Let's start first with the beautiful and talented Myra Hall. <laughs> Conroy almost jumped I'm in there. Sorry, just not jumping. <laughs> <laughs> in there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody. you're beautiful and talented. <laughs> it's like, thank you, Jeff. As I said that, I thought, uh oh, I'm going to get sued. But no, since you both <laughs> since you both answered, I got a good defense. Yeah, uh, Con- Conroy, he he's showing up on my screen today. Everybody is Big Papa, so say hi to the folks. Hi to the folks. I want to go back and talk about what we were talking about before we went on the air. This is no, the green room is like pumping iron just for the competition. We don't share uh, that with anybody. Uh, I think we should still do a blooper reel. I'm just going to bring it up again. Blooper reel would be good. And my good buddy, Jeff Geoff McLaughlin, he's showing up today as tech genius fancy pants. I'm not sure what that's about, but we'll maybe we'll dive into that later. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. And last but uh, certainly not least is my really good friend, Dr. Sam Jennings. How you doing, Sammy? Hey, I just can't wait to get into our next conversation. Happy to be here with everybody. You are one of the few piled higher and deeper doctors that I've ever met that are just a down-to-earth good guy that that understands a lot of things, but there are a lot of things still left to know. I mean, I appreciate that about you. Well, I appreciate that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And pi- the pile higher and deeper for all you newbies. That's PhD doctor. So PhD. Okay. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> Let's get into the topic for today. The uh, subject we wanted to talk about is retirement. We are in this, this era COVID, post-COVID, we might even be pre-COVID anymore, who knows, but we're calling it the, or it's being known as the great resignation where lots of employees are leaving jobs or leaving certainly the jobs they had or the the, people are leaving their businesses and selling their businesses. Some people are being asked to leave and all that. So it's being called the great resignation. So I wanted to talk about how that impacts retirement. And I've always felt that retirement is a function of money or a function of lifestyle and not age. And so when people come up to you and say, hey, when are you going to retire? I say, I'm going to retire as soon as I have enough money. It's not the, it's not the magic age 65 or 67 and a half or whatever it is for social security and all that stuff. So retirement to me anyway, it is a function of money or or lifestyle and not age. And so I wanted to start this off by in in this backdrop of we're in this era of the great resignation. What does retirement mean to you? And Sam, since I ended with you in the intro, let's start with you. What does retirement mean to you in today's environment? That's a great question because as we talked about in the preamble, there's a lot of moving parts right now. And folks who want to retire and can't or people who 
realize for whatever reason they can, maybe they've got an inheritance or maybe they have equity that's cashed out from their business, who knows what, the opportunity shows up differently. So like you've described, you know, if you can afford to do so, then the people might. And it sounds callous and horrible, but if we think about money is the representation of the time we traded in for some other thing, then if you don't have the capacity or desire to work more, you would have had to have had cashed in all those hours beforehand for enough funds to sustain you. Otherwise, you'd keep trading your time for other services. And it's not a difficult thing to conceptualize, but it's hard to get there. When's enough? When will I have enough money to make this thing work out? I am the last person, friends, the last person to be giving financial guidance advice. <laughs> but but it's somebody who can, because it's hard to think about. Uh, but what's not hard to think about is what's that mean to me? What do I get to do if I'm not spending 40 to 60 hours a week doing a job and doing a thing? And like you said, it talks to, it points to lifestyle and it points to opportunity. And when people have the chance to make those choices, they oftentimes don't quit working because they don't want to work. They want to have meaning and purpose in some other capacity that may not be a traditional weekly job. Oh boy, that's podcast gold right there. In fact, could be another episode of what what if you're tired of your job and you just don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Maybe it's because you're you don't have meaning and purpose in your job and let's go help you find yeah, that's good stuff right there. Myra, what do you think retirement means? I don't believe in retirement. I'm just going to throw that out there. Actually, I believe that retirement is a construct of that came out of the industrial age. And yes. it, it's actually started over in England in the late 1800s when they needed to move older workers out and make room for younger workers. So they came up with this plan to offer a, a pension after 65. And they didn't have much on the line because the life expectancy was only 70. So they felt like it was a good bet. Now, it came over to the United States and I don't know, I think it was the 30s, but I don't know for sure when we actually started Social Security and, and that type of thing. But to me, that that tells people they're no longer worthwhile to society. It's time to retire, time to get out of the way. And if they're not mean to say that's what a lot of people think, and which is not the case, obviously. But there are still um, places that don't even have a word for retirement. And one of them is Okinawa. They, they're elders or people that are at, actually, you get to a point where the, this doing stuff no longer satisfies you and you want to do something that means something. And in, in Okinawa, they call that ikagi. And if I apologize if anybody's out there and knows that I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but what it actually means is the reason to get up in the morning and they trans, transfer or transform into a work that is is gives them meaning and purpose it gives them a, a reason to to get up in the morning and but it also reaches back to the younger ones and helps so that's that made a big impact on me when I thought about that because I could retire now I don't want to I want to transform into and find my ekagi or ikage or however you say it I want to be the one that has a reason to get up in the morning until I take my last breath. 
So you weren't banking on that kind of an answer, I'll bet you. Yeah, I think there's more of that today. And I'm not going to argue with it at all. I, I think a number of years ago, the negative spin on what you just said is, yeah, yeah, we all get to work until we die. But that's really not what you're talking about. You're talking about finding and identifying and pursuing your passion and the reason you were you know, created and get, giving some of that back. So I, I think that's really good stuff, Myra. Also, how many people do work till they die? And and when I say that, they work till retirement and a year later, they die. That happens over and over right. again. Yep, yep. So uh, Big Papa Conroy, your thoughts about retirement. I always try to remember that this podcast is based upon the myth and the myth is that everybody's going to retire at 65. And And the older I get, my birthday's next week, and I'm thinking, I'd love to retire at 65, whatever that looks at. But what scares me the most is, what will I do then? And I agree with Myra. I don't think you ever really do retire. I think you have a more purpose-driven life. But I also agree that it's all about money right now. Who can afford to retire? I think it's more about getting the most out of your life, doing what you want to do. And I want to get to that point someday. But I don't ever see myself not working or doing something. I like to, I, I see myself continuing to coach. I see myself continuing to mentor others. I see myself wanting to do more and have a purpose in life. I also agree with Myra that how many people have retired and a year later pass away? I, I can name alphabetically and numerically people I've known that have retired that would anywhere within six months to 18 months pass away be for no yeah. other reason than. Their heart stopped, but why did they? Why did that? What did they? Lack of lack of uh, purpose, lack of drive. I don't know. I just don't see myself not doing something because I'll be bored out of my mind and driving my wife nuts, and that's not a place I want to be. You've got you you've got half of that equation of probably already accomplished. That's hurtful. Yeah, uh, that's just hurtful. Maybe. I'm sorry that's, that's for the. True. I'm sorry for the hurtful, uh, mean, accurate things I just said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was being yeah, it was for compassion. I was being nice. You're all good. <laughs> okay, call her right. She's like, good for him. Good yeah. for him. So uh, it off my plate. <laughs> Geoff, you, you may be, correct me if I'm wrong, you may be on the numerical scale, the uh, youngest of the five of us. So tell me about your perspectives on retirement in today's yes. environment. Yes, Sonny, tell us. <laughs> well, as a partially retired person, I, I, I really enjoy it. I know it's, it sounds weird. I love what I get to do. And so I don't, like Myra, I don't ever want to retire because I'm passionate about the things that I get to do and how I get to give back. Yeah. And I have noticed that's changed a little bit in that, uh, luckily enough, because of where I am in my career and what I've done, I did retire early out of education, out of the classroom. I retired because I was like, this was not where I wanted to be. And so I retired myself after, I think I want to say six or seven years of teaching. And I was like, this is not where I want to be. It's not doing, I, I can't see doing this for the next 30 years of my life. But now, because of what I get to do, working with people and coaching and training and speaking, I don't have to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. It's not a traditional kind of job. So I'm lucky enough that I get to do things that I'm passionate about. And really, realistically, you look at the work and it's really part-time. But there's a lot of things that go into getting the work. And so I, I don't want to retire. I look at my grandparents and my parents who... They were educators and they worked for 35 or 40 years as teachers, as educators, and then 
technically, and quoting here, technically retired, but then immediately went into business for themselves. And whether that was like, my dad's got a farm that he loves to do. My mom is helping run the old family business that my grandparents set up, but they worked really hard so that they could play, so that they could have time, so that they could create experiences. And I think now it's very interesting with with younger people, if they've ever read the four-hour work week, the, the work is changing. If we can do it remotely, or if we can live someplace else that allows us to have a uh, lower cost of living. I got friends that are expatriates in, all over the world who live in not necessarily first world countries because they can live for less than a thousand dollars a month and live like kings. And as long as they can have internet, they can do work and make a very good living. And so the retirement for me is not really a, it's not something that I'm like, I, I just want to keep working. My passions might change. I might give back in different ways. I'll join boards. I'm on boards for giving back so that we can help our community to be better. But yeah, I, I, retirement, I, it doesn't entice me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be bored. I'm like, I would. I will get into too much trouble. My wife will hit me with a stick, much like Jeanette, <laughs> much like exactly. Kyra's wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So this is this topic. Obviously, could go many different directions, and I'm. I wanted to maybe today, as it always will, usually go wherever it's it's gonna go. But in this this time where, again, has been coined as the great resignation, I retired from teaching like six or seven years, you say. No, you didn't retire. You quit. How could you retire after six years? <laughs> that has to be 30 or 40 years. But And I'm not going to put it on any generation, but Gen Z or whatever's coming next. You just ended it there, Jeff, um, that pe- people aren't going to work these 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 hour work weeks in the hopes that 40 years later, they're going to have a decent pension and maybe a gold watch. That's all gone. And, and in fact, one of the things I want to bring out my alma mater, Washington State University, they're, um, yeah, I know, go Cougs, go Ducks. Yeah, they're, they're Carson College of Business does an annual um, survey of businesses here in the Pacific Northwest. And it's pretty interesting. You can go look it up. But one of, one of the things that jumped out at me on their latest um, annual releasal here was 69% of Pacific Northwest business leaders say they want to create more job opportunities at their company, but are not confident there are enough qualified applicants to fill them. And so as the leader, this is a No More Leadership BS podcast, what, what do we have to do either personally as we're looking towards retirement or we understand and, and confirmed by this study that 69% uh, of all businesses in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm going to extrapolate that the Pacific Northwest isn't unique to our country, that it's this way everywhere, that people are retiring, like McLaughlin talked about, after six or seven years and are doing other gigs or finding their personal purpose and passion. And so how as leaders do we function in this environment? One it's a great question. Observation. Ahead, Sam. That it's going to be just a touch caustic. 69% say they can't find the right people. They don't know what they're doing. I would say that very boldly because they say they can't find qualified people. What it tells me in part, and you can see it everywhere on LinkedIn, other social media spaces, when you have an entry-level position that you require five years of experience to get into, you're looking for the wrong things. Right. Look for some dispositional characteristics you can hire for and then train on some of the, the techniques and the technical aspects after they get there. Attitude and say, That's not my job. It should be education. They should already have that. 
this is the situation you're in, folks. Either you're going to accept it or you're going to continue to complain about not having the right people. You're looking in the wrong spot for the wrong things. Agreed. The next level is how there's a housing shortage. So you, you can't house them. You can bring them in, but you can't house them. So, so as leaders, what do we do? Sorry, Jeff. Right. Jeez. We help. Debbie Downer, man. I know, right? So, let me, can I stop us right here, Sam, just for a second? Just um, because I can't help it. It's easy for all of us, even the people listening, to identify the things we don't have. It's more challenging to find the things that we do have or the things that we want to work towards. So, yeah. So, housing's an issue. Big deal. What what are we going to do about it? I'm going to go back to your original question. I don't have a good housing answer, but as far as what do we, how do we help leaders figure out how to manage themselves in the situation where they can't find the right candidates? I was being pretty uh, snarky about it, but I do think the conversation is, why can't you find them? What is that barrier? And once you identify that, say, what can you do that is not that barrier? What is something else you can do to get the great people you need without using the schema you've got because the schema you have isn't functioning in the way it's going to help you out. So how do you make that change? And that as coaches, that's exactly what we do. We, we take the problem and say, okay, great. What are your tools? What can you do? Because we can complain for a while and sometimes it's healthy to just wallow in, in the mire of just the yuckiness and say, okay, but once we're done wallowing, what's our plan of action? How do we actually move forward and make things happen? So having people examine the circumstance figure out where they can give a little bit and understand that the things they think they need are maybe a pile of wants and the needs are something different. A pile of wants. I like that. Yeah. So Conroe, you look like you got something to say. No, I'm good. I'm, I, I agree with Sam. I think people need to figure out what exactly they're looking for. If they're saying they there's not enough people to fill a position, that's not true. I don't believe that. I just don't think they specifically know exactly what they're looking for. I also agree that I would hire attitude over aptitude. I would train the job. Yeah, maybe you can't find people that that fit with your company. Maybe it's because yeah. your culture isn't fitable, right? By the majority of people. So if I like that phrase. Your culture isn't fitable. I'm going to steal on that for a minute because that's good. Because yeah. because uh, the workforce of today, and, and I, I really don't like saying, you know, it's Gen X or Gen Z or Y or what, whatever. It, it's the workforce of today that spreads across from teenagers all the way to 70 plus year olds. You, you got to find people that fit the culture of your company. And if you're having trouble finding anybody... Maybe you should look at the culture of your company. That's what we talked about earlier as well. Is we, we were talking about the local economist who said boomers are retiring earlier because of the pandemic. And the next generation up, millennials and the boomers are leaving inheritances and leaving money for the next generation. So the millennials don't really have an incentive to go to work. So the workforce that we once knew is never going to be coming. And I have to agree with that. Right. Yes. I think the pandemic has taught us how has taught businesses we really can function remotely. We really don't need as big a staff as we need. We so I think that it's important to remember that the boomers are leaving a major void in the workplace. It's just businesses need to learn to adapt to the way the marketplace is now. Mm -hmm. They're there. Something else. Yeah. Something else I want to throw out there is if you can't find workers, maybe you're not offering them 
work that is meaningful work to them. Maybe it's, maybe it's just putting widgets together, but people want to do work that makes a difference, that is meaningful, exactly. that adds overall. Right. But what about those jobs that are not necessarily the, the that are manufacturing jobs that are literally putting things together, those widget jobs where you're like, oh man, eventually those will probably be automated right now that they're not all of them anyway. But when that happens, what about those people? I'm just thinking about 20 years in the future when there's the potential, the very realistic potential that we could have 80% of jobs that are filled by a computer or a robot or we don't need a human to do those things. What jobs will those people have? Then we go to I, Star Trek, say, Star Trek yeah. Next Generation and everything's automated. Go back, go back 20 years. Where were we 20 years ago? And where were we now? And that's the marvelous thing about the human, human species is they adapt and they make new solutions to the problems. We would have never thought. So when we're looking forward 20 years, we're looking at 20 years from now with the same mindset, with the same solutions that we have right now. Yeah, we'll give broken record this because in serious thing that we've always said in your basically every episode, but I do think that the question of you know, Mara, your point and Jeff's support there, if your job is repetitive, maybe it's approximately the same thing every day. Maybe it's an assembly line, maybe your custodial support, whatever it is. It's to me, it's not a question of is that job important enough? It's these jobs need done and we know it. And there's people who will thrive in that space, especially you have to treat it like an actual human being. Yes. With a whole range of emotions and feelings. And when they say, dear boss, this process isn't working. And the boss says, tell me more about that. They will have much more engagement and satisfaction in that job than maybe somebody who likes that creativity elsewhere. So it's the feeling of mattering, having purpose and making a difference. It doesn't matter the job as much as long as the person's, you know, has a decent fit there. The environment is the issue that we're dealing with. Now. Yeah, that's all part of the culture, no matter what yeah. the business yep. is doing. And that's what yeah. Myra was saying too, is that it's purpose. You got to have the, yeah. you got to feel like you've got a purpose-driven life. I think that should be yeah. a book. But Too late. I, I, I agree with that. As long as you feel useful, like you have purpose, right. you're going to continue to work. It, and so, boy, this could go on forever. And I know we're getting close to the end here, but so... Some of these people, no matter what generation they came from, in the great resignation that either were asked to leave their jobs or forced out of their jobs or just decided to leave, whether they call it retirement or or pursuing their passion or whatever, what's happening is the workplace is evolving. And as leaders of our own companies or companies that we lead or even small departments and companies we lead, we have to recognize that change and adapt to it. I think Myra's point that as humans, we're, we've proven ourselves to be relatively adaptable or we still wouldn't be here after 2000 plus years. But yeah, what is it to, to do? And to Dr. Sam's point, yeah, we don't want to be too repetitive, but by golly, you don't have to figure that out on your own. There are people like us and there are many of that can help you think through and work through um, that whole process. If retirement, what what retirement used to mean isn't what it means today and certainly won't be what it means 10 or 15 years, 20 years from now, we have to adapt so that we can prosper and grow. Okay. Part, parting thoughts, uh, Dr. Sam. Parting thoughts. 
the idea of retirement, even is the way that uh, Geoff put it, the idea of stopping something, in my mind, should be in an effort to go to something else. I've often said, if you're going to run, run to something, not away from it. So if your retirement means your short-term issue or your long-term, more uh, traditional standard, have a purpose, have a goal, and um, make it your best decision. And if you realize that's not it, do it again. Find something else. Perfect. Jeff. I was going to say, you know what? Reach out to somebody like us and ask us at leadershipbs.co and let us talk with you about helping create a life that you don't want to retire from. Ooh, that's really good. Create a life you don't want to retire from. We better trademark that uh, little phrase right there. Like Big Papa Conroy, parting thoughts, buddy. And kind of gel does McLaughlin put in his beard and his hair? <laughs> no, seriously, I have to agree. You, you got to have a purpose-driven life. And, and as long as you're happy and as long as you're feeling productive, keep moving forward. Yeah, Myra, you better put that off a of mute first, honey. Okay, the only thing I want to leave you with is a correction Sorry. <laughs> to my earlier butchering of the word ikigai. And I call it ikagi, and it is ikigai. And thank you, Sam, for for not in, allowing me to embarrass myself that way. Ikigai, tell me again what that means. It means the reason for getting up. Here we go. It's a loose translation. There we go. For all of us here at the No More Leadership Podcast, you should by now know if you don't look in the show notes, you can send us an email at askus at leadershipbs.co. You can check us out on Facebook. We are also now on Instagram. We are growing. We got 70 plus thousand downloads. So things are happening. And we really appreciate all the listeners. So for Jeff and Geoff and Dr. Sam and Myra, I'm Jeff Geyer. And we'll see you next time on the No More Leadership BS podcast. So long. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then.